Today, Mayor Eric Adams might as well become a conservative at this point. One of my favorite stories ever about Media Matters. And we're going to talk consecration and what does that mean? Because after all, this is Monday and it's our faith podcast. But before that, I have to say, welcome to the Self-Evident Podcast. Welcome, it's Monday morning, 11 a.m., and if you missed it, well, when you come on in, welcome. Monday morning, 11 a.m., Self-Evident Podcast, thank you so much for joining. You got Mike, you've got Mike, and just Mike, because Massey is out of town. Now, you are watching this on Monday, you're like, he's still out of town? No, he's not out of town. When I'm recording, he's out of town, because... We record two of them on Friday, so that way we can get them ready and get you your content. So he will be back. The next show that we do, he will be back just for you. But until then, you got me. Do not forget, go to theselfevidenttruth.com, check out the blog, check out our merch, buy yourself a t-shirt, get yourself a hat, sign up for the Constitution course. If you did not watch... Friday's episode or have not listened to Friday's episode yet, you really need to. There's great information in there. There's great history in there. But we have even more history on our Constitution course, fully online, fully accessible, unlimited access once you purchase the Constitution course. You can print out the materials. They come as a PDF. You can print them out as many times as you want. Or maybe you want to take a group through it, your Bible study, your church, your local social justice warrior co-op. Bring them through it. I dare you to do that last one. Go for it. But the program, once you pay for it, once you pay for it, you buy it for your homeschooler, especially high school on up. This is what people ask me. They're like, hey, can your constitution course, you know, my my kid? What I tell them is this. If you have a middle schooler who loves history, they're all about American history, all of that, they could probably do it. If your kid does not care about history at all, they, they don't want to do two seconds of it, it's going to be a little bit long for them. That's really the biggest issue. It's not that they can't grasp the concepts. It's just longer. The videos are anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes, and then you have questions after. It comes with the notes. So that's a disclaimer of who is it targeted to? High school students on through adults to give you a real overview of what happened and why in terms of the founding of the colonies all the way through the Bill of Rights. And each amendment. We actually take each amendment, 1 through 27, explain it, where it come from, what inspired it, why it's there, what happened with it. So, that's my plug. Also, do not forget to get yourself my book, Become Forged. It's a, a toolkit so whether you are a man, whether you are a young man, whether you are a boy, whether you have boys, if you're a mother or a father, I've designed it as a toolkit of what does it mean to raise a man? What does it mean to become a man? How do you do that? What are some things you can apply? 
added to that, I'm just finishing up the workbook for it, which will be a self-study as well as useful for a group study that a group could go together, especially if you got men in your church who, hey, we want to go deeper, we want to go farther, we want to get discipled. This is a cool way to do it. And and I I put my all into this, and I think it's very useful. So check the book out on theselfevidenttruth.com. Go to our store, go to resources, get yourself a book. If you've read it or you are reading it, don't forget to leave a review, whether on the Self-Evident website or on Amazon, leave a review. The reviews help it in the algorithm. It helps sales. Because I want to sell books. Ain't nobody written a book and said, I don't want to sell any books. Doesn't happen. Everybody wants to sell books. I'm not out to make millions of dollars. I'm out to get exposure to these ideas that I think will help people. So buy a book. Support the cause. Along with that, one more announcement. Oh my gosh, Mike, just shut up and get to the news. I, I'm not dropping too many details, but I'm going to give you a little opening of what I'm doing completely with self-evidence, blessing, self-evidence, cooperation. I'm building something and Become Forged was kind of the, the center point or the focal point of the construction of this idea. And not long from now, you will have the ability to have access to full discipleship, not just spiritually, not just soul as in mind, you know, not just career-wise, not just physical fitness. It's going to be the complete discipleship. And it's going to be something that that is useful for so many people, no matter where they're at. And I want you to keep your eyes out for it because it's something that really excites me. It's something that's totally in my heart. And it's crazy how the Lord is ramping up training me for that next level. And I'll get into that in terms of the faith talk that we're going to do today. But the Lord will train you up. He'll put things before you when he's preparing you for that next step. And you, all you have to do is be obedient to it and keep your eyes open to it. And remind me to give the example, okay? During, during the faith talk, during the main topic, keyword is discipleship. Please remind me. You guys got that? All right, and wave your hand or whatever you have to do and just discipleship. And I'll, oh yeah, that's right. Cataloging and linking it in my brain. Okay, cool. All right, on to the news. Eric Adams, sorry, bro, you spoke out too loud. Last episode, I talked about, hey, we need those people who speak out. Eric Adams spoke out because his city is realizing the harm and danger of open borders. And I don't care what any other conservative says, especially Christians who are like, this isn't right. I think Abbott and DeSantis are doing exactly what they need to. And the funny thing is people are saying they're abusing migrants by sending them to Martha's Vineyard in New York and Chicago. Those migrants made the choice to come across the border because the Biden administration left the border open. They made the full choice to come into the U.S., 
with the expectation that they would not get punished for making an illegal step over that border. So now they're being shipped to Democrat-run cities. Why not? The Democrat-run cities up in the north are telling the southern states what they should do with a border that affects them personally. And then when it turns around and people are getting bussed and flown into their own city, they freak out. And Eric Adams is one of those people who freaked out. He said, we've got too many. This border policy is killing us. We've got to do something about this. And funny enough, right after he came out and was complaining to high heaven about the Biden administration being critical of the policies, the FBI opened an investigation on his campaign about taking funds from Turkey and was there foreign influence. Because foreign influence doesn't have any bearing on the Biden administration. So not only did the FBI open this investigation, now all of a sudden Mr. Adams is being accused of sexual assault from a woman who claims he sexually assaulted her back in 1993. 30 years. And this lady just happens to come out of the woodwork right after the FBI opens an investigation and raids this guy's campaign advisor's house. Hmm, questions. So how can she do this after 30 years? There's a new law, or a law, called the Adult Survivors Act, which went into effect in November 2022, gave a one-year window for sexual abuse accusers to file suits in state and federal courts for otherwise expired events. So now a bunch of people are fighting event, fighting these lawsuits. In other words... We're going to give one year span where you can come out of the woodwork with your accusation, no matter how long ago it was, and you can take somebody to court. And so now, uh, not the greatest example to start out with, but Bill Cosby is being brought back to court. Uh, Sean P. Diddy Combs is being brought to court. And Eric Adams is now getting wrapped up in this whole thing. Do you want my absolute professional expert opinion on this. It doesn't matter because I'm a commentator and I can say whatever I want. Kind of. This Eric Adams does not seem like the type of guy to sexually assault someone. He does not seem full of himself enough to do that. Now you noticed with old mayor Cuomo, when his mouth got a little too open on the whole COVID thing, what happened? Sexual assault case came out of the woodwork, and he resigned. It's alleged. Never got brought to fruition, so there's no case judgment. My opinion is Cuomo is more likely of a personality to have done something like that than Eric Adams is. And it's, it's so typical of these sexual assault cases to come out of the woodwork decades after when somebody is a political political uh, problem. Look at the, the cases that happened with Trump. Well, well, you know, the court found that it was true. I don't buy any of these court rulings, especially against somebody like Trump. Do you know Biden had his own sexual assault case come forward? 
What happened with that? Or what about it just so happened that sexual assault cases came out against Brett Kavanaugh when he was up to be Supreme Court? Hmm. It's such an MO. It is such an MO to bring forth this sexual assault case from 20, 30, 40 years ago and we'll flaunt this across the cameras because all people hear is rapist. That's all people will hear. It destroys a person's character and a person has, has a very hard time getting around that. Clarence Thomas. There's a whole issue with Clarence Thomas when they're trying to confirm him. And so I have... I, it's not that I don't want to see perpetrators brought to justice, and it's not that I don't think an accuser should have their day in court. I'm not on the train of believe all women because it is such a tool to get money out of people. P. Diddy Combs, or Sean Combs, whatever he's going by now, pick one, bro. He settled a day later it was an ex-girlfriend. Now, you might say, see, he's guilty and he knows he's going to get dragged through the court of law and he just wants it to go away. Or he knows it's not worth it to spend that time and that money fighting this thing in courts when he could just pay her off and get it out of there. And that's leverage that people use not just against people, but they use it against corporations. They will file a lawsuit against a corporation, and the corporation has to weigh out, does this cost us more to fight and do the whole litigation process or just do the settlement and get out of there? And that's incentive for somebody who's got nothing to lose to come forward and say, well, sexually assaulted me 30 years ago at this random event. I don't even know this person. Doesn't matter. Still did it. Pay me and I'll go away. Literally the attitude. And especially, how easy would it be for somebody from some random administration or political party to stop by the house of somebody who tangentially worked with someone 30 years ago and say, hey, look, we have a check for tens of thousands of dollars. All you have to do is make a claim. Wait, I get that money just to make a claim? Yes. What'll happen is it'll go through the news. We'll protect your identity. You are anonymous because you, you are a victim. The accusations will come forward. It'll be a big circus. You'll end up getting a settlement and you can walk away. And no problem. There are plenty of people who will take that deal. They go, oh, I get paid tens of thousands tens of thousands of dollars to ruin somebody's character and my name doesn't even have to get brought up. Cool. Why not? Sure. Pay. It happens and you think it doesn't, but it does. The depths of evil and wickedness happen. And I'm not even defending Eric Adams. I don't agree with a lot of his policies, but I don't look at the guy and I say, yeah, he done it. <laughs> I, I don't. And, and maybe he'll come out and it's true and it's proven and I'll stand corrected. That's fine. If it can get proven to a point where I'm like, okay, yeah, he probably did that. Sure. Sure. But until then, I see the guy's innocent until proven guilty. 
And now one of my favorite stories of all times. And I won't even read the title on the article because that would get me canceled. Or a resident favorite Media Matters would come after me. He said these words reading an article about your own president. So what happened? You may have heard Elon Musk, his company X, is suing Media Matters claiming they manipulated the platform. This this gets salacious. He's claiming they manipulated the platform to show major ads next to Nazi imagery, causing a bunch of advertisers to leave the platform. So this is what they did. They found horrible content. They create a new account, uh, allegedly. Allegedly what they did, create a new account or, or had an account with no followers, no following nobody, and followed this account that was known for salacious, wrong, evil content. And then kept clicking refresh until the ad showed up of a major advertiser next to it. They'd screenshot it and send it to the advertiser and say, did you know that your ads are showing up next to Nazi imagery on the platform X? You should probably leave. And so they did this enough times to where major advertisers were pulling themselves from X. What X figured out was that they were playing the algorithms against itself, and X showed that those ads only showed up next to that content in that instance. So several of the, several of the major advertisers happened one time for one account, the Media Matters account. One other company, it happened twice. Out of millions and millions of users, over millions and millions of instances, this happened three unique times. Hmm. But it gets better because Media Matters deserves to be torn down and torn to shreds. Careful, for how you judge is how you will be judged. Now it's come out that Media Matters president Angelo Carosoni wrote super anti-Semitic blog posts in the early 2000s, along with a lengthy screed against a tranny-loving author, and at the same time telling the, and I quote, Japs, to lighten up over a coach's alleged sexual and physical abuse of female players. Lighten up about all that sexual and physical abuse. The irony is rich. This is rich. This is a man who's made his career in drudging up out of context, joke as serious, and 20-plus-year-old statements in order to destroy other people's lives and careers. He is now getting destroyed with the same tools. He accused Elon Musk of being anti-Semitic and, of course, had to virtue signal throughout his career about how woke he is. Now, he stated when these allegations came out of these blog posts and these comments and all that, this is what he said. It's true. I wrote some gross things on my blog while I was in college. A few posts, uh, a few posts, parodying living my life as if I were a self-loathing, bigoted, Limbaugh right-winger. You just got to throw that twist in there, right? You know the worst part? I would actually defend him. I would. I would defend him if he didn't use the exact 
tactics to destroy people who were doing the exact same thing he was doing. What happens is, and, and this happens a lot, people use extreme language. They use pushing the boundary ideas or images or language in order to make a joke. Part of the shock factor of the joke. The shock factor is, woof, people don't say that in normal conversation. The stuff this guy was saying was stuff people don't say in a normal conversation. That's part of the humor of it. I'm not defending the humor. I'm just saying that's humor. What Media Matters has done is they've made a career out of taking that type of stuff, especially that type of stuff, or somebody reporting on something that was horrific and then twisting it so it made it sound like that was exactly what the person believed and they should be excoriated for it. They should be destroyed for it. He has made a career out of this. And then he turns around and says, "What well, you know, I was just parodying those, those evil right-wingers. Doesn't matter, bro. You held this standard to everybody else. Now it's coming for you. And I would have defended you in what you were doing. I would have defended, especially early 2000s, you're young, college student, whatever, you know, whatever. We use somebody's past as a battering ram against them and, and use it as though it's the final condemnation of that person's character because in college especially, in those ages, your brain is not fully developed until you're 25 or so, especially for men. In college, you're trying to figure yourself out. How do you, how do you interact with the world? And so often, college guys, we are driven by shock factor humor. It's it just it's in us. Locker room talk, sitting around with your buddies. The the more shock or, or the more a little bit over the boundary you can be, the funnier it is to you and your friends. Not defending, just saying. That's what he was doing. That's what he was doing. You read it, and people are like, "Oh, this is exactly how he." Fa-. No, it's not. He's doing it because he thinks it raises jokes. He, he was, his boyfriend at the time was Jewish, so he was making Jew jokes about the guy. He wouldn't be dating the guy if he actually felt that way, if he was actually anti-Semitic. So part of me wants to defend him, but I won't. I refuse to. I, I joyfully watch the crash and burn of Media Matters because... You have destroyed people's lives over this stuff. You have destroyed people's lives in the drive to actually be respectful and honest and careful. You're just like the Southern Poverty Law Center. I hope they're attached to this whole lawsuit in some way, shape, or form at some point. They, these organizations are not out for the good of the public. They are out to destroy people, people they don't agree with. And at the end of the day, this president, Angelo Carasoni, is one of those people. So, bro, it's coming back on your head. And a man more powerful, richer, and smarter than you has just decided to put his eye of Sauron on you. And it's a blistering heat. You picked with the wrong company to mess with. You picked X. 
owned by Elon Musk. The the internet trolling extraordinaire. Have you ever noticed the names of the first four Tesla vehicles? S3XY. If you're in internet culture at all, just write that out and tell me if this guy is a troll or not. He will come after you for crap like this. So, Angelo, good luck. You're toast, bro. You're toast. And I'm so happy about it. It's about time. Moving on. Former Obama official charged with hate crime. Another person that I find myself torn about not wanting to defend, but at the same time providing a defensive argument for, yet not sure that I want to defend. What's going on? This one's a little tricky. Former Obama official Stuart Seldowitz allegedly harassed a Hallel cart vendor for a couple of weeks, criticizing and disparaging Muhammad, telling the guy to leave, telling him that more Palestinians should die, etc. And the, the video is like, he's, he's pretty unhinged in yelling at this cart guy. He was former acting director for the National Security Council South Asia Directorate, and seems to have close relationship with Israel, concerning he was deputy director in the U.S. State Department's Office of Israel and Palestinian Affairs from 1909-03. He even told the man he would call immigration, and the man would get deported back to Egypt, and then the Muhaba Barret, Egypt's intelligence agency, would have something to talk to him about. So here's where it gets tricky. This guy, Stewart, got arrested for harassment and a hate crime. He's been charged with aggravated harassment to hate crime slash stalking, stalking cause fear, and stalking at employment. This is a hate crime? Do you notice he did not assault the guy? And Massey and I have talked about this whole concept of there is no true hate crime because those crimes are committed out of hate. If you assault somebody, if you steal from somebody, if you murder somebody, you're committing a crime out of hate. You hate your brother. You hate your fellow human to the point where you are willing to commit this crime against them. Saying words that somebody doesn't like, disparaging a religious figure is not a hate crime. It's not a hate crime. Now, I could maybe say... The stalking, yeah, you could probably, you know, because he keeps coming back and, and he's verbally, verbally assaulting this guy. But a hate crime, because that just ups it another level. And now your thoughts are policed. If you disparage Muhammad, it could be considered a hate crime. Now, this food cart vendor... So Stewart's just completely racist against Palestinians. No, Stewart is alleging the food cart vendor came out in support of Hamas and in Palestine. And Stewart is very closely connected with the Israel side of the argument. His last name's Seldowitz. What do you think? Was that racist? The line, right? Yeah. So, of course, he's going to be unhappy that this guy is supporting Hamas considering what Hamas did on October 7th, which was a genocide. 
Now, is Stewart a little unhinged in attacking this guy verbally and yelling these things at him and coming back over and over? Yes. Should the guy be able to have some recourse so he doesn't have to get harassed like this? Sure. I don't, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you could even argue the guy is chasing away business by his actions. I'm still hesitant on chasing after legislation for it, but what I will say is a hate crime, a hate crime, get our minds out of this whole binary that something is hate purely by the word you speak. The hate was already in your heart, so we have to create a special addition to the legislation. It gets messy because what if you do that on Facebook? In the UK, you could be arrested for a hate crime purely by saying something somebody doesn't agree with on social media. We have covered stories about that. Coming to America soon. Oh, well, thought crime. You didn't think correctly. You didn't have the right opinion. And this protection so often happens for people in the minority, and it becomes an imbalanced uh, justice. Well, you're white. And you're Christian, so it doesn't matter. We're not we're not going to defend you on that. And I'm not pulling the whole "we're so oppressed because we're white." That's not what I'm saying. I'm more pointing the finger to you're arguing for justice, yet you are completely unjust in how you are trying to approach justice. Take the log out of your eye before you take the speck out of your brothers. I want justice across the board. And I want everybody to relax a little bit. Would that be okay? Could we, could we all relax a little bit? I'm offended. So am I. So what? So what? Why is it okay to offend one group of people, and that's your right to speak out, but another group has the right to not be offended? And who determines what is valid offense? You have people who, if I tap the table too loud... Get offended. Have any of you watched that video of the Democratic Socialists of America meeting where they're getting offended by people clapping or people talking too loud? And truly, like, it's person after person. They can't even get to their agenda because it's person after person saying, point of order, I'm offended that people are clapping. We have comrades who are... Uh, uh, sensitive and and have PTSD and we should be snapping and you think I'm joking dead serious I gotta see if I can find the video and post it up as, as a repost on reels or something because it's it's amazing how offended people can get so they have a right to not be offended and I should stop clapping I'll keep doing it until you get over it. Anyways, if something interesting happens about this whole case, I'll let you know. In in defense of Stewart, Stewart told the New York Times that he was not Islamophobic, that he had targeted the vendor only after he expressed support for Hamas. At that point, I got rather upset, and I've said things to him that, in retrospect, I probably regret... <laughs> No, you don't. <laughs> Though, that I do regret. Sulowitz said, instead of focusing in on him and what he said, I expanded to in, into insulting his religion and so on. I mean, we'll see what happens.
But everybody will point out this guy has power, right? He's he's white. He was in the government. He was Jewish. He had plenty of power. And the Halal cart vendor didn't have the power because he's Islamic and Palestinian attached and minority. He's driving a Halal food cart. And he didn't have the power in the whole situation. Who knows even if he had power for his vendor truck. And if he didn't, there's a company called Energy Ops LLC that could provide him the power. That would provide him the power out of love and care. Energy Ops LLC, you got to find them. If you're in the Charleston, South Carolina area, you got to sort these people out. Get your energy taken care of. They do residential. They do commercial. They do renovation. They do hookups for your EV. You Prius, not even Prius, you Tesla driving people. I, I remember when Prius came out, people were so dadgum proud of themselves. I'm driving a Prius. You look like a turd. But if you have a Tesla, if you've got a Rivian, if you've got a uh, Nikola, go for it. Get hooked up. Get your power back through Energy Ops LLC. Check them out, energyops.us. Go check them out. They're amazing, God-fearing, family-oriented, freedom-loving, veteran-owned, small business-minded, traditional values. They want to provide you the best service at a reasonable cost. Absolute friends of the show. They support us. Support them. Energy Ops LLC. On to the main topic, consecration. And we'll, we'll go fast on this because I, I don't think it's something that needs to get hammered because we've been kind of heavy on these faith topics the last couple of weeks. And I think especially because that's the season he and I are going through right now is a, a heavy spiritual season, not in a bad way. We hear this word heavy and we go, oh, that's bad. No, it's, it's beautiful because it's in depth. There are seasons where spiritually you're more just kind of autopilot, like you're just kind of riding the system. And I don't mean that as an insult. You're just... You're doing what you need to do, and you're walking it out, and it's a season of less, right? And then there are those other seasons where it's powerful. It's deep. It can be painful, and you kind of wonder what is going on here. And so we've covered various topics. The last time we covered was transitions, right? And transition is a big topic. Before that, we've covered how do you handle temptation, tribulation in your life. Today, I just want to talk a little bit about consecration. I myself am going through a season of consecration, congregation, consecration. And it's something that I think is very important for all of us to recognize when is the Lord calling us to that season of consecration. It'll look different for different people. An easy example is if all of a sudden the Lord is waking up within your heart that you shouldn't be on social media as much anymore, or perhaps you're watching too much TV. Or those songs you were listening to, just, yeah, there's something that's off about them. Or maybe you're, you're realizing my prayer life isn't where it's supposed to be, or, or I'm convicted because I'm not reading enough, or I'm not, not getting deep with the Lord enough. That could be a season of consecration. Because a season of consecration is setting you out apart from the world, setting you out as holy. And as Christians, the problem we get into 
is we believe, well, I'm saved by Christ, I'm renewed in Christ, I'm a new creation, all true. But we tend to stop there. We tend to believe, so that's it. I'm a new creation. Nothing more needs to change. Yet scripture also says that he who starts a good work will finish it. He does not say, I've done a good work completely. He says, I've started a good work and I'll finish it. That is what consecration is. And anybody who tells you, I don't need to be consecrated, they are the one who needs it the most. And they are the one who is probably ignoring the signs. How do you know you're ignoring the signs? When you double down. When you feel conviction on something or you feel, I should be doing more, and you convince yourself, no, I shouldn't go that way. No, 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 no. That's legalism. That's works. That's, That's old creation. I need to go forward. I need to just continue doing what I'm doing. That is a mind and a heart that is pushing against consecration. And I see it in people when they say, well, I'm just being led by the Spirit. I don't, I don't need Scripture. I don't need to spend time in prayer. I don't need to go back to the old wounds. I hear that from people. There are people, and isn't it funny, their lives are a mess. And it's not funny, but interesting that time and time again, the ones that I see pushing against consecration, where they will not humble themselves and just say, okay, I'm a wreck. There's a lot of wreck in my life. I need to stop doing the same thing I've always been doing. And that's what happens. We go into autopilot. We go into autopilot and we go, well, I'm just going to keep doing the same things I've been doing and God will take me through it. He'll bring me out of it. Maybe, unless it's you that's bringing it all on your head and you're not willing to hear that you're bringing it on your head because of pride. Pride will put your fingers in your ears and say, I need to keep going the way I'm going. That's a pharisaical attitude. And we pour all this heap and scorn on the Pharisees, somewhat for good reason, but we never picture ourselves as the Pharisees. Everybody else is a Pharisee. Everybody else. Those darn Baptists with their Bibles and Bible-thumping Pharisees. Those charismatics that say if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. Pharisees. That religious spirit in those people who point the finger at other people. Pharisees. We should see ourselves in the Pharisees. Humility will recognize our own hearts in the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees did not want to change anything because Christ said it. They pushed against. No, no, no. I'm going my way. I'm doing my thing. It's how I see it. I'm the one who has the, up, the utmost hold on Scripture. I'm the one who knows what it is. And the problem is that pride keeps us from knowing Christ at a better level. Humility will say, I may not be right on this. And if something... You are so good. And if something stands out and that little gap opens, you have a choice. Allow it to open in humility and recognize it and work with it with Christ and be consecrated or close it up with your previous beliefs and systems and cover over it and continue on your way. 
Thank you. So my process of consecration, I'm learning more and more how to rely on the Lord, and maybe this will speak to somebody. I have a lot to do in my life. I really do. I've got a lot to do in my life. I've got a lot of tasks. I've got a lot of different projects that I'm working on all at once. I'm juggling. The last thing I need are people in my life. <laughs> it, it, it sounds horrible, right? And, and I'm being, I'm exaggerating. I'm being facetious, right? But the truth is, the last thing I need is somebody coming to my cubicle or somebody giving me a phone call or somebody texting me because I'm trying to keep my focus on all of these projects. My pride would say, I've got to get this done because the Lord has given this to me and this is the task he's put on my plate and if I don't do this, so I need to push this person away so I can do this. On Thursday, no, Wednesday, sorry, on Wednesday, I sat with a couple of brothers at breakfast and it was a time of discipleship. I got to work and immediately spent half hour, 45 minutes with another brother discipling. Uh, about two o'clock. No, no, no. I went to lunch with somebody, gave them a hard word because I love them. Don't know how well they received it, but I love them. It's like, I'm seeing this, right? So I consider that discipleship. It was not a, not, it, it was a good conversation, but it wasn't always fun, right? Because if you go out to lunch with somebody, you're <laughs> and you leave, right? Get done with that. Come back. Have a long conversation with Pastor Todd about a theological concept, which was good, but it was, it was not sitting at my desk doing work. About 5 o'clock, because that conversation with Pastor Todd was at about 2, about 5 o'clock, another brother comes to my cubicle, and I'm discipling and ministering to him and helping him out with something. And, and he's, he's wrestling with something, and he and I were working through it, and, and God blessed me with some revelation that helped him kind of see it in a different light. Get done with that. Call my wife, have a 10-minute conversation at 6 o'clock. I'm ministering and discipling to somebody else who's going through something deep and was able to work through it and give them some revelation that helped open them up. So how much work did I actually get done that day? Two hours? Two hours of sitting at the computer, maybe, right? If I'm not open to what the lessons, to the lessons the Lord is trying to teach me, I'm not open to consecration. I'll look at those events and I'll go, I can't be doing this right now. I've got to be doing my work. I'm getting behind. And I've been working with the Lord on that of, I need to trust him with the timing of my work. And so often what happens is we're trying to get the approval of men which I realized in an inner healing session the other day. We try to get the approval of men by meeting their expectations. What if the Lord's expectation is not the expectation of the man? What if the Lord's expectation is, this is what I want you to be doing. I have a timing for this that you people aren't recognizing because you're not listening to me. You're too into the goal. In this inner healing session, one of the things that came out because I'm in this season of consecration, I'm learning all these lessons. I hold high expectation of myself and I take on the expectations of others. And if I don't meet those, I get self-critical. 
whether it's my own expectations or of somebody else. Now, you need to be doing your best. You need to be putting your all into what the Lord's given you. But times of ministry may come out of the woodwork and keep you from doing what you're supposed to be doing. I think of the story with the Good Samaritan. The other ones were religious, elite, establishment people who lived a life of professing help those who are downtrodden, love your neighbor, blah, 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 and walked right past the man who was beaten, left bloodied on on the walk. They had to get somewhere. They had to do something. They had a task. They had to, had to fulfill their mission. Probably a religious task. Oh, I've got my priestly duties. I got to get there. Sorry, I can't help. We do it. And we don't realize we do it. Well, I, you know, I, I can't stop for this person because I got, I do it. I do it all the time. And I'm, I'm laying myself bare. I do it all the time because I'm a task-oriented person. You could, you could divide people into a couple of different quadrants on a spectrum. But you have task-oriented people and people-oriented people. Then you have introversion and extroversion, right? And, and this is kind of the basis of the whole DISC test. And save me your, that's of Satan, occultic. Psychology is the study of the behavior of humans. And we categorize things for a reason. Just like you would never say that it's occultic to say that a rabbit is a mammal. We put things in categories so we can help understand them. There are categories to our personalities of how we're more likely to react to a situation. I am task-oriented, so I will tend to sacrifice relationship in order to get the task done. Other people will sacrifice the task in order to build the relationship with people. Both of them work very well when they're complementing each other. But what the Lord continues to teach me is, I will take care of the timing of the task. I need you to care for my people. And at the same time, what he's training me in is discipleship. How do I disciple people, all men? It was all men I was working with on Wednesday. How do I disciple men and help them leave off the things that encumber them and run the race for Christ? If my pride had taken over, I would not have paid attention to that stuff. And, and we talked about fasting on Monday and, and this whole concept of, of transition. And consecration is another section of that. And I said, I originally thought my fast was for the timeline, for the expectations. Notice, task-oriented. And what the Lord said is, no, I'm working on you. I'm consecrating you. That's when I realized I've got to go to inner healing. Not because there was something major going on in me, but part of consecration is finding out what's wrong and allowing the Lord to fix it. And there were things I didn't even realize were going on in me that needed fixing. Now, is there more work that needs to be done? Yes, but I'm trying to be faithful to this process of consecration, and you need to be faithful to it too. If the Lord is telling you, I need you in a season of consecration, we need to burn off these old belief systems. We need to burn off these old assumptions. Burn off these old lies that are holding you back and making your life miserable, then you need to get humble and allow the Lord to point the finger at you. And that's what hurts. That's what hurts for people. 
is pointing the finger, right? When God points the finger at you, it hurts. Or when somebody is helping point the finger at you in righteousness, in love, and saying, this needs to get fixed, we blow up. We explode on the idea. How dare you? How dare you? Humility will take the contention of consecration and receive the wisdom of it. It hurts for a time. All of us get hurt when we get criticized. One way, shape, or form, either very minor or very big, I am guessing Jocko Wilnick, man's man, Navy SEAL, commander, hardcore, 4.40 or 4.34 in the morning, every morning, get after it type guy, David Goggins, still can get emotionally affected. Let me re- rephrase. Can still feel an emotion with a piece of criticism. And it's hurt. Our pride Our pride is what gets hurt when we hear a piece of criticism. How we deal with that is what matters. I'm not saying you should never feel hurt by a piece of criticism. What I'm saying is how do you deal with it? And I was talking to to one of these guys that, that, you know, I got to sit with, and he and I are both very similar. When we hear a piece of criticism that we that hurts, right? Because the first initial guttural emotional reaction when you hear criticism, when you hear something that is not good feedback, ow, how dare you? You don't understand. You don't know. You don't get. You weren't. Excuse, 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 right? I keep my mouth shut. And I've had people think that what I'm doing is shutting down. I'm just broken. Farthest from it. I'm receiving. I'm recognizing my emotions of, ooh, that stings, and my pride is flaring up. Because if I went with my emotion, I would immediately clap back. I would defend myself. I would yell. I would point the finger. I would pull out all the nasty stuff on your side of things. None of that is productive. None of that is useful, and none of that is righteous. So what I do, and and this person I was talking to, he also does the same thing. I get quiet. I'm just going to receive. And even if I'm raging inside, I try to keep my mouth shut. There's been times recently where I'm like tapping my fingers, keeping my mouth shut, because everything I want to do is defend myself. So I'm just going to keep... You know, and there is that point where if somebody's really needling, you know, is, okay, I'm done. I'm going after you. But I keep my mouth shut because I want to receive the information observe my emotions, allow the emotions to peak and kind of taper off, and then work with the information and go, okay, was there truth to that that I need to see? And when you work with that truth and you allow yourself that time of, okay, yeah, they're kind of right in this area and they're right in that, and why is that? You've avoided a whole nasty, awful situation. Proverbs says, I even said this to my son couple of days ago, what is it? A gentle word turns away wrath 
or you could say a quiet word turns away, a, a soft word turns away wrath. Why? Because if somebody's coming at you and you use a hard word, their pride gets spiked up, and now it's tit for tat. It's nuclear warfare. A soft word all of a sudden catches them off guard and it ratchets things down. My silence is my soft word. My silence is allow you to say what you need to say because there's a reason you're saying it. And I trust the people that I love, even if it hurts hearing from them, I'll deal with it. I'll allow it. I'll work through it. And in this process of consecration, what you need to do with consecration is understand that the Lord is trying to burn out the imperfections in you. He sees the sin. He sees the insecurities. He sees the pride. He sees the loathing. He sees the greed. He sees the lust. He sees it all. And he's trying to consecrate you. And our emotions get in the way because we get hurt or we get prideful when the last thing we should do is spike up. And the first thing we should do is go, okay, Lord, what are you trying to do here? And sometimes your frustration with the Lord is not a bad thing because it's the burning off of that emotion to where then you can finally humble yourself and go, okay, Lord, I shouldn't have been that frustrated. You're right. Work with me here. That's what I had to have. I always tell people, do not curse him. Do not swear him off. But you can say, Lord, I am so frustrated with you right now. What are you doing here? Why are you doing this? What is going on? And then be ready for the silence after you allow the emotion to vent. And I've found, as much as I dislike it, so often I've had to release the vent valve, the emergency valve, release that pressure, and in that silence afterwards is when the Lord speaks to me and gives me revelation of what he wants me to understand and know. It's so crazy. And I, I've been upset with the Lord at times of like, why do I have to pop off like this in order to get an answer from you? And I really feel like the Lord has basically told me because you won't listen before that. You're not going to listen until you pop off. Then you'll be quiet enough to... So I'm working on that. But don't fight the consecration. And don't get in the rut of just going after your old systems, your old beliefs, your old habits, your old patterns, your old sins. If he is convicting you to get rid of that stuff, you walk with him and you get rid of that stuff. Because my consecration is preparation for that next level. If I don't do the consecration, I will end up harming people. I won't be ready for them. And I won't be ready for what the Lord is putting in front of me. And this has been a heavy season. He's been doing a lot of work on me. And I still look at it like, man, there's a lot of work to do. There's so many things left to do. But I'm faithful to that process, and I want you to be faithful too. And be okay with being in pain because discipline is painful for a moment. But discipline brings such goodness, such fruit. It's necessary. The, the vine has to be pruned to produce more fruit. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to let you know 
that consecration, it can hurt, and that's okay. And if you want to talk about it, if you want to reach out about it, by all means do, whether in the comments, whether email us, selfevidentministriespodcast at gmail.com. It's all one word. You can email us through the website. You can go to the website. Get a hold of us. Let us know what's going on in your life in terms of consecration. What's going on in your life in terms of what the Lord is doing? Where's your pride? I dare you to sit with the Lord and say, Lord, show me where my pride is and see what he says. So, on behalf of the amazing Anonymous crew, I'm Mike. We're going to have Massey back on Friday. Guys, I love all of you. I'm so thankful you guys tune in, you guys watch, you participate, you you purchase our merch. Check out our end-of-the-year newsletter. Help support. We've got a budget we've got to hit. We're raising so much for our budget to start the new year off right. Think about donating. If you've got a business, it is a tax write-off. We're a 501c3. Um, If you make your end-of-the-year contributions, please, by all means, Are we doing a Cyber Monday? Either way, check out the website on Cyber. It's Cyber Monday today. Check it out. Go buy stuff. Be, Be the capitalist pig you were meant to be. Brethren. All right. I love you guys. Have a great week. See you Friday.